So we're live, and I'll say up front that I'm nervous to do a podcast with a guy who runs a, a podcasting company. Oh, well, no need to be nervous. <laughs> well, I appreciate Jacob Bozarth coming on with Resonate Recordings here in Louisville, and um, this is my third attempt at doing you know a podcast. And actually, um, one thing I was going to do up front was just talk about how I how we met, um, which is kind of interesting. I think it was the uh, Health Enterprise Network event. You guys had, as a matter of fact, you guys were doing a podcast at that event, right? We were. Yeah, that's correct. We were recording a podcast for Health Enterprise Networks, HIN, and also exhibiting at the at the show. Yeah. And it was uh, a good time. A lot of, got to meet a lot of great people, including yourself. Is HIN still around? I believe so. Yeah. I know okay. they, they've had a few changes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I believe they're they are still around. Um, yeah. As so, far as I know. So the backstory to that is actually I and I, I use the word fanboy a little bit for me because I was a huge fan of Culpable, which <laughs> you guys um you produ- well, you produced out of another company and Resonate did some work on it. It's kind of how that worked, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So so Resonate did all the post production. Then our our sister company, Black Mountain Media, is the one that actually uh, produced that in partnership with Tenderfoot TV. Um, and so yeah, it was a investigative true crime podcast. Uh, and yeah, it, it was a, a lot of fun. It was our first fully original show that we kind of produced uh, in house there. And still to this day, Brett and I in the office love. We think it's the coolest intro music to a podcast we've ever heard. And it was. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Um, Hang on, I'll remember. Dirt Poor Robbins, right? Yeah, yeah. So we actually, uh, that was one of the things we really, you know, wanted to do was um, kind of keep the team local here in Louisville. And so, yeah, Dirt Poor Robbins, uh, Neil DeGrade is his name, is actually uh, composed and, and scored and produced all the all the music, uh, not just the intro song. But yeah, we've we've gotten a lot of positive feedback on that intro music. And also another cool thing is we actually have the culpable soundtrack out there. Uh, it's available on Spotify and all the different places where you can listen to music. So, um, yeah, you can go check that out. Yeah, I got to check that out because now do, do you, does he still do anything for you guys? Or like, do you, for example, like does somebody who does a podcast, can they hire him like through you to do some intro music for him or? Yeah. So Neil is, Neil would be really hard to get, uh, just to be candid. Uh, he's, he kind of, he does a lot of work for, um, some larger companies. I, I think he's done score for like Sony, Sony and some other larger films and whatnot. Um, so he, he doesn't typically do that, but because he actually had a, a good relationship, a good friendship with, um, one of our other ex- executive producers, Mark Minnery, um, who I believe you've also done some work for through his other company. Um, so yeah, they, they had a great relationship. And so we reached out to Neil and he was like, Oh, this sounds like a fun project. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll take it on. Um, but I will say we, we actually, uh, this is a breaking, breaking story that, uh, this will be the first place you'll, you'll likely hear this. Um, we're in the process of, uh, working on culpable season two and, uh, we've got Neil to, to rewrite the intro for us for season two. So we're really excited about that. So it's going to be a little different. It will be. Yeah, it'll be a little different. We, uh, one of the things we really wanted, uh, in that intro music and sorry to go off on this. Um, we can redirect the conversation if uh, needed, but, uh, yeah, culpable. Um, we really wanted to, to kind of reflect, um, the culture and kind of the, 
the music, the vibe of, uh, of Meridian of, of the town where the story was told. And so, um, that was one, one of the kind of key things is like, we really spent a lot of time kind of thinking through that and kind of explaining to Neil and he spent a lot of time kind of researching, digging into, um, you know, what are the kind of cultural influences? What's kind of the like vibe, uh, for that area and not just the story and kind of the, the brand of culpable, but also like the actual town there. And so I think that that was reflected. So yeah, that will be reflected in where the new, uh, new town is. I I'm, I'm going to keep that, uh, I guess a secret for now, but, um, yeah, that, that will be reflected in the new theme song, hopefully. Well, I'm excited about it. I, I was a huge, like I said, I was a huge fan. So what, what happened was I, I got into true crime podcast just, you know, I spent a lot of time in the car and like a lot of people do. And I got into it and listened to culpable and it was so well done. And, um, honestly, full disclosure, like when I listened to culpable, I had no idea that resonate was here in Louisville. I just, <laughs> I listened to the podcast. I didn't know, I didn't know there was any connection to Louisville, frankly. And I listened to the podcast and I loved it. And I remember we had a table at that event and I walked around the corner and all I remember was every time I would listen to an episode, you would be one of the uh, you know, names that were listed at the end, I think maybe as an executive producer or something like that. And, and then I walked around a corner and I saw the company and, uh, you had some of the t-shirts out on the table and, and, uh, it was, it was cool. It was cool to meet you and, and kind of have that connection to somebody who was making something that I was such a fan of. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. That was definitely a fun project to, to work on and excited for, for the next season. Yeah. And it was, um, yeah, really cool to get to meet you there. And then obviously that, um, that kind of spun off into, uh, another partnership, I think backing up a little bit too, I, I believe you had connection with, um, one of our, our co-owners, Mark Minery, uh, and his yep. company single point. And I think that's actually how I heard about you first. I think he said, Hey, we're getting some swag, uh, through Mark, through Goodson yep. and, uh, we're looking into this and I was like, Oh, let's, uh, you know, I'd love love to get an intro because prior to that, I'd always just kind of ordered things online, and you know, sometimes with that, they come back. You're not sure how they're going to look sometimes, and yeah. you spend a lot of money. So I was like, oh, the idea of having someone local that we could uh, work with, I was I was definitely excited about that, and um, so yeah, I I, I'm, I think that was a little bit maybe before Hen, and then Hen the Hen conference was whenever we officially first met. Yep, that's right. Julie Clemens worked for us for a few months and knew Mark, I think, from a, a previous life and was working with Mark on some things. And as a matter of fact, Julie, I got to give her credit. I mean, she was the one that said, man, you would really love to meet Mark. I think you'd get along great with him and, and Jacob, too. And um, and that's been the case. I mean, I, and Mark, is, I, I only spent time with him once, um, but I really like I liked him, too. He's really laid back and, and obviously been very successful, too. So, yeah, um, but yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things. Tell me a little bit about, I want to talk about the history of, of Resonate and how you started it and, and those kind of things. But first, rather than me doing it, will you tell me just a little bit about what Resonate does? Yeah, so we are a podcast production platform. Uh, historically, we've said, you know, podcast production uh, company or uh, editing service. That's kind of how it started. So I have a background in audio production. So we have a team of audio engineers and really... Um, producers and pretty much anything and everything around podcasting. And so our tagline is an easier way to podcast. And really that's what we, we exist is to make it easy for you to create, 
produce, release a podcast. Um, a lot of times people get bogged down in all the technical aspects and the pieces that go into that. And so uh, really we, we exist to just make it as easy as possible so you can focus on your content, focus on uh, doing hopefully a great interview like you're doing right now. And then uh, we kind of handle and take care of everything else. Yeah. And you've done that for me. Uh, I know that I, I talked to you initially about the idea here and I'm using Squadcast, which was your recommendation. I'm, 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 I've got headphones on and a microphone that, <laughs> that you kind of green lighted me on. And, uh, and then I've also, I'm a client as well on the back end where we're going to be putting these episodes, uploading them into your system and uh, having them edited so that I can post them to our website. And it's just been, I, I know that for me, it's been a great experience. Your people are all really good. Um, and then just also from me consuming the the stuff that you guys have done, I still feel like um, you guys do just just such a great work on the on the back end. I mean, th- the quality of the production. I think we were talking um, recently about how I was, you know, now listening to Red Collar and some of the other ones that you guys have done some back end work on. I think that's the other thing too that's interesting to me. You guys are involved. I mean, there's a lot of podcasts that people probably know and love and listen to that you guys are involved with, and they don't even know it. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good good observation. I appreciate that. Um, about yeah, one one of the things you know, hopefully in working with our our team, you've experienced this is we're we're committed to that relational right uh, component with our clients. We view um, each client we work with as more than a transaction. Just hey, we're we're doing it, providing a service for you, right? It's it's a partnership that we're in it with you, and we want you to be as successful uh, as you can with your show, and so. Um, you know, that's one of the things I think that really sets us apart is we really try to be available to our clients. We're real people. We, we, uh, we want to be available if you want to pick up the phone or if you want to, uh, need a quick response and interact with us. And so, um, yeah, our team, you know, we have a, a extensive background in audio production, uh, from a professional side. And so we, we really are committed to the quality of our work. And, and that's, uh, that's really helped us kind of, again, set up, set us apart, but then also, like you said, given us the opportunity to work with uh, a lot of really well-known podcasters and, and hopefully help them even, even do better. Um, the first show we worked with was called up and vanished. And that was kind of a hit true crime podcast that, that helped, was my intro. <laughs> yeah. It helped solve an 11 year old cold case. And so actually whenever I started resonate, I started working with pain. Um, and it was just a lot of fun. You know, we, uh, I, I was doing a lot of the post-production, had an experience, obviously, uh, have a degree in audio recording, as I mentioned. And so, yeah, getting to work with Payne, it was it was really cool because it was more than just the audio editing, you know, getting to do some sound design, some some sound effects and stuff like that. And really, uh, you know, obviously in, in the true crime genre specifically, the podcast is, is more than just a story. It's like an immersion, a sound immersion is what we say a lot of times where you're, the listener feels like they're there. They feel like they're kind of a part of the story. So if you're talking about walking up to somebody knocking on their door, you're going to hear the sa- you're going to hear the footsteps. You're going to hear the knock on the door, uh, and we do all that obviously in post. And our team is phenomenal at at doing those type of things. It's almost like modern radio. Like you know when you when you listen to old school radio programs, you know they were all because there was no before television. It was like they had to get really good at like you know what you what was going on in your the pictures you had in your mind. Um, and doing things to help make those pictures in your mind. And actually, Up and Vanish, was that kind of, I mean, Payne Lindsay is extremely successful in this space now. Was that kind of his first really successful podcast? It was, yeah. Yeah, prior to that, um, 
Payne was an amateur filmmaker. I believe that's correct. And yeah, Up and Vanish was just kind of a, a project that he started on the side. Uh, whenever I started working with him, I, th- I want to say he was getting right around like 300,000 downloads. So still really successful. Um, but within like a matter of just a couple months after working with him, he was exceeding a million downloads per episode. And a lot of that was because the the case that he was investigating, uh, you know, obviously got solved and it was an 11 year old cold case and so he was on i remember like starting to work with him and then literally like a month later he's on dateline good morning good morning america all these different things yeah. uh, and so that obviously helped draw a lot of attention to up and vanished uh and obviously resonate had a, a plug at the end of the episode in the credits so that helped us uh as well tremendously yeah well let me so are you originally from louisville I want to kind of get back to yeah. starting the company. And- so I'm not. I'm originally from Henderson, Kentucky, uh, which is in Western Kentucky, which is uh, right across from Evansville, Indiana. Uh, you can probably hear that a little bit in my southern southern draw. I know it comes out more whenever I'm talking to my family and back home and stuff. <laughs> I think I'm. I I don't know if I'm picking it up. I'm originally from Springfield, Ohio. I'm a transplant. Okay. Myself. I mean, I guess that's more of a transplant, but. I don't know if I'm picking it up or not. I guess I'd have to ask the people that I grew up with. (laughs) It's all relative, right? Yeah, exactly. So from Henderson, so you went through like high school there and then where did you go to college? Uh, Yeah, so I went to college at Middle Tennessee State University. I uh, studied audio recording. Um, My my degree is actually a recording industry major uh, in technical production, I believe it is. Um, Production and technology, sorry, that's it. And uh, I bounced around. I was did songwriting for a little bit, but yeah, finished finished there. And the reason why I went to Tennessee is because actually at the time Kentucky didn't have a degree in audio production or recording. Um, and I played in a band growing up in high school and uh, actually went to a community college in Louisville the first year out of high school there in, in Henderson, Henderson Community College. And it was then during that time period, my band from high school, we we recorded in a studio in Evansville and just that environment. I just kind of fell in love with that. I loved the just the whole concept of recording something and then getting to listen back to it and kind of perfect it and go back and layer it in. And it was just a a cool art form that that I just found really, really relaxing and uh, really enjoyed that. And I remember the the engineer there, I was like, Hey, I really would love to learn more about this. Like, you know, maybe have my own studio one day. And he's, he said, well, there's a great school down in Murfreesboro, Tennessee called Middle Tennessee State. They have a great degree. Go check them out. There's also Belmont and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I was able to get in-state tuition um, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So I went down there. Uh, that's where actually I met my wife. Um, we moved to Maryland for about a year, year and a half. Um, actually, I was working at a church. And this is after school? After school, yeah. So I was working okay. at a church for a little bit. Um Came back to Louisville, um, actually for school to finish up. Uh, did a, a master's degree as, at Southern Seminary here in Louisville, and uh, it was in that time uh, whenever I started Resonate. Um, kind of through that, just was working a couple other like a, a billing job in healthcare space, and uh, really kind of knew that, okay, that's not what I want to do with my life. I don't know yeah. what I want to do. <laughs> uh, so actually. Um, a friend from college and I actually started resonate, um, in 2014. Uh, we actually recorded a demo for a friend and he, um, yeah, we just got a lot of like, Hey, this is, you guys should maybe consider starting to, starting some, something on your side. You guys work really well together. 
And so, yeah, we, we ended up starting Resonate. Initially, it was kind of like a three-tiered, like we did demos for bands. Uh, this was the goal anyways, demos for bands. Uh, we did sermon audio for churches, and then we uh, did a pod, did podcasting um, really for just one one friend who reached out and said, hey, can you edit my podcast for us? And we're like, yeah, we can do music production, whatnot. We've, we both have degrees in audio, so surely we can do a podcast. And it was kind of through that and just the the word of mouth that, you know, it started turning into about 10, 10, um, 10 clients, you know, from one client to 10 clients. And then uh, really at that point, it, it was just me kind of doing it uh, in the evenings in my basement from 2014 till 2016. And really the the fall of 2016, it started picking up more. We, we kind of uh, determined, hey, this is like the podcasting space is really taken off. Like, um you know, this, you know, this is more than just a side hustle. And so we kind of made, made plans for me to go full time with it in 2017. Uh, so 2017, I was working uh, at a company here in Louisville called Cotivity. We were doing, doing healthcare, like auditing. And uh, yeah, I quit that, went full time with Resonate February of 2017. That's whenever I started working with pain. And really after that, um, it just took off to where quickly we had, you know, 50 clients, more clients, more clients. <laughs> it was like, all right, yeah. now now I've got a position from just doing all the production to I've got to hire people um, to to do that. And obviously, uh, with our uh, kind of original commitment of hey, we're we're professionals in the audio space, we wanted to hire people like that. So we hired our first employee. He actually worked for a film company here in town and uh, ha- has extensive background in, in same thing. He has a degree in audio. A phenomenal guitar player. Um, and so we hired him and, and really, um, from there, you know, we're just able to continue to raise the bar on the quality of audio. And that's something we've always really, really prized ourselves in. Um, so yeah, from that point on, I think, you know, I've kind of positioned from just a, a side hustle, a side hustle to an audio engineer to now, you know, I've got to start thinking about how to run a business and how to do the sales and marketing and all that. And, uh, you know, I've got to, become an SEO ninja and all those things and build a website and figure that out and everything like that. And that's really what I actually enjoy the most found. I enjoyed the most, um, and, uh, really kind of settled down into. It's, it's interesting to me. So I'm curious, when did the podcast, cause you started the company, which, which makes sense. And you were doing, you know, what, what would, what people would have probably done in the audio space at that time, which was like you said, demos, things related to churches, and then you kind of like did this podcast thing. When did the podcast, when it was it clear to you that the podcasting was like, okay, this thing's taken off? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think, um, probably somewhere in the, in the mid middle of the year, 2016, I think I remember telling my wife, um, you know, we were, uh, we had two kids at the time. Now we have three. And, uh, obviously that's a big risk to, to quit your day job and to go do something full time. Right. You know that. Um, and so, but I remember telling her just like, you know, I really feel like there's this wave and if I don't get out front of it and like ride this wave, I'm going to miss it. Um, and I really feel that way still. And like, I'm, I'm very glad that, that I obviously didn't miss that opportunity because, yeah. you know, you can go online today and, and, and there's hundreds of, of new companies popping up of people, especially with the pandemic who have a degree like myself in audio recording, um, who, who are trying to get into the space and it's, it's, it's a lot harder to get into the space now, you know, like thankfully we rank on page one for Google for most of our keywords and that's tremendously helped us continue to gain and grow, uh, 
new clients, excuse me. And yeah, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'm sorry. I can't. Well, no, that's what, what's interesting too, to me is like, I mean, think about like Payne Lindsay and, and even the customers, I mean, the customers in your space, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you work with, you work with companies and things like that, but some of these really successful podcasters are, I mean, you could almost describe them as a person in their basement, but they've got millions of, I mean, it's such an interesting, you know, like in my space, typically a big client translates to big buildings, big numbers of people, big infrastructure, you know, whatever. I mean, you guys, some of the people that you're working with, I mean, if you saw them walking down the street, you may not even recognize them and they may just have a studio in their basement, but they're turning out, you know, seven figures on a podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great example. You know, Payne's a great example. Ashley Flowers is another uh, client we work with uh, who, you know, they've, they've made their career out of podcasting and, and that's, that's really cool. I mean, it's not, not something that's necessarily easy to do and just like, oh, if you want to be a, you know, a professional podcaster, here's, here's go get this degree and then you can come out of college and get this job doing that. But um, yeah, you're hundred percent right. I mean, a lot of, a lot of clients uh, are, are providing uh, a living for themselves through podcasting some, you know, Tenderfoot with, with Payne Lindsay, they have a team of people that they employ. Same thing with, with Ashley at audio Chuck and, uh, and several other clients like that as well. Um, in addition to that, you know, we have a lot of big corporations that are using podcasting as a way to, to market their, their businesses like you're, you're doing. Um, but you know, Citibank, uh, Colgate, Palmolive, Twitter, Honda, uh, DHL just signed on with us. Sev- several of those large companies who who are using podcasting um, to reach, especially now with the pandemic, whenever everybody's remote, through uh, a lot of times like a private podcast or an internal podcast uh, as a way to communicate with their employees, kind of create that sense of connection. Yeah, and it's and it's almost like some of you getting out in front of the wave and building the relationships with guys like Payne and and, and others. I guess that's what to me is so interesting about it. It's a big space, but probably some of the stickiness, for lack of a better way to describe it, that you guys have in the industry is that you built relationships with people early that have become very successful. And then some of that then becomes the reason that you get opportunities with companies because they see you guys being part of the engine that's behind some of these very successful sort of retail, for lack of a better way to describe it, you know, podcasts. And then they go, man, you know, if they can do it, I mean, heck, man, if you can sell something that's successful to consumers, you can sell something that's successful to business for business. You know, just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, talk to me. So it sounds to me, if, if we go back to the beginning, you just really started it. I mean, was it really pretty much organically funded because you kind of did it as a as a side hustle? So you never it doesn't sound like you went out and never got any external money or did you? Yeah. So um that is correct. We are bootstrapped for, uh, for the most part. We've taken on very, very small, um, kind of like family or like uh, personal personal <laughs> loans. So I have, I have another partner I mentioned earlier, Mark Minery. Um, so he was like a business mentor for me early on, and um, yeah, he was he was kind of coaching me through um, initially like going full time. And then whenever I went full time, I was meeting with him and, uh, actually my original partner, he, he came to me, uh, back in 2016 was like, Hey, I, you know, I just, I don't, I don't want to, this isn't the right fit for me kind of type thing. Um, and it was, it was very good. Like it was a, it was a good mutual departure of like, I kind of wanted him to go full time with it. And he was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't think this is for me. Like the entrepreneurial, uh, style lifestyle, which was 
totally cool, totally fine. So um, whenever Mark was kind of coaching me, he, you know, kind of helped. He was like, hey, I want in on this, man. So he basically provided the money for uh, for me to buy my partner out and then uh, to be able to to hire our first employee. And so, um, you know, Mark, so Mark's Mark's in. Um, and uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, we haven't we haven't taken on any money. Um, we We did recently take on like our first loan, um, actually from a local, um, a local lender here called, um, render capital. Um, so they kind of exist to help, uh, businesses in the Louisville area grow and, and start up. And so we, we took on a growth loan from them. Um, obviously one of the things we're really investing in is software and building software, not just our services. Um, historically, obviously we've been more of a service service company, uh, which we still are, but like we we rolled out our own hosting back in July of this year um, to distribute shows and and submit them, you know, to all the different directories where people listen, and we're we're just continuing to 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 build our software and really with that that overarching mission of ours of an easier way to podcast, right? Um, so we're we're working to kind of build everything. So it's like, hey, resonate your your one stop shop. Uh, if you want to podcast and, and it's going to be hopefully an easy and seamless experience for you. And are you, I'm curious on the um, software side, are you developing that with like in-house developers or are you using outsourced resources to do that like overseas or? Yeah, great question. So we um, brought on a CTO last uh, t- 2019. Uh, I think it was June of 2019 uh, his name's Troy Harvey, phenomenal developer. Uh, he actually came to us from Carta um, and and had worked for Indatus uh, th- for a little while here in town. So just a phenomenal developer, um, you know, and, and beyond that, it's like one of the things Mark and I both say is like, we love working with people that we like, right? <laughs> and so like, there's nothing wrong with that with working with your friends. Uh, Troy's just a great guy. We had a lot of great chemistry already. He was, uh, he actually helped us build our own platform. He was doing like moonlighting for us. Um, so actually since 2017 is whenever we originally contacted him. And so, um, he helped us build our own, we called it client portal at the time. Troy told us that that's very old school and we should not call it portal again, but app. Uh, and so, um, but he helped us build that. Basically, it was just like a replacement for Dropbox because we, we were tired of depending on Dropbox or Google Drive for file sharing. So we built our own platform that really made it easy for our clients to upload, comment on their episodes, uh, see get their episodes back and everything like that. And so Troy, Troy had already built that whenever he came on with us. Um, and really, that's been our model in, in a lot of our hiring is we've brought people on as contractors. Um, even our first employee, Dayton, who I mentioned earlier, he was a, a, a contract editor for us at first. It was just me and him, right? And he was editing the episodes, and then I would mix the episodes and then send it back to the clients. Uh, and then we brought him on full time. That, that's worked really well for us. I think it allows us to get to know get to know the employee, make sure we're a good fit, make sure they're a good fit for us, uh, make sure they you know are a good cultural fit and a work fit, um, and then and then go from there. So yeah, Troy. Um, actually has a team he had, we have two, he has two junior developers that he, that work under him. Um, and then we have a couple other, um, we have a, a recently, most recently we have a, uh, an app developer, uh, that works with Troy as well. And we actually have a machine learning developer as well on the team now. So, um, 
So Most, gradually, gradually growing the internal team is what we are. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's part, partly with, uh, you know, with the render money as to where we're really continuing to just dump that into development um, and, and continuing to build tools that serve our clients, that serve podcasters um, and serve our team as well. No, it's it, that space is always it's funny that you mentioned in data too, because that is another kind of connection. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember that name, but Todd Pritz. I don't know if we've ever talked about him and maybe, do you know Todd Pritz by chance? I do not. He worked at Indatus. He was their chief product officer. He was their mar- marketing guy for a long time, became the um, chief product officer. I'm wondering if Troy may have come in after they were bought by RealPage. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, because then Todd went on and worked at a company in uh, Lexington called Make Time, which was, they had raised, uh, they had done about an $8 million, I, I think, before it was all said and done. Okay. Um, but it's, you know, so even like with my company, the online, as an example, like online stores. And, and one thing I had to decide up front was because I was trying to develop our own online store functionality. And I had a friend of mine that was a developer. And what we decided to do was take some off the shelf cart software and start to customize it. And I realized really quickly I had to make a decision if I was going to be a sales organization or a development organization. And I'm not a developer, <laughs> you know, because, yeah. man, when you start writing technology, um, especially in the world we live in, you know, you think about it, it wasn't long ago where a website was a glorified business card, you know, and now that doesn't cut it anymore. You know, the the, right. just the levels of functionality and how complex it's gotten. Um, man, if you're going to be in a development space, you got to have really, really smart people. Yeah, no, you're you're 100 percent right. And I mean, there's there's a lot of things, too, that we we can use like off the shelf as well that we can plug in. Um, but yeah, I mean, our our. Our development obviously is something that, that we really prioritize. It's funny you mentioned Indatus again because actually our iOS developer uh, that, that we have currently working on our, our platform is uh, uh, someone that Troy worked with at Indatus. And so, um, yeah, another guy, just another connection. They had a lot of talented people over there. Because And actually, when I moved to town, this is a total tangent. I don't spend a lot of time on it. But it's really an interesting story about how I met Todd. I mean, I literally met him at a Chili's because our kids wouldn't stop talking to each other <laughs> in, in booths that were next to each other. And, um, and Todd and I became friends and they were actually at that time, they were actually in uh, new Albany. They hadn't even moved to the new building downtown yet. Wow. And uh, so, you know, ended up spending a lot of time in there, met Robbie who I think, you know, and, and yeah. just a lot of people, I mean, there were just a lot of really talented people that worked at that company um, that moved on and, you know, have done some pretty cool things. And I know Robbie's still doing really cool things yeah. for you guys and others. So Robbie, Robbie Davis was at Indatus as well. He was, yeah, wow. he was on Todd's team. And then I think from there, I think from there he might've jumped over to forest giant. Yeah. Um, and then from forest giant, I think, uh, you know, and I know he's always done some side stuff. Like I think, he, you know, what is it? The, what's the brew against the grain? He does all the, yep. all the cans and yeah, those I don't know cool. if I'm supposed to share all or not, but I think he posts it on his Instagram and stuff. So I think it's yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, it's on his website. He's an insanely talented he, designer. He really is. He yeah. really is. Matter of fact, because he was friends with Todd when I started my business, I wanted some uh, paperboard coasters that I actually had Hound Dog Press do for me. Oh, nice. And Robbie did my designs for my coasters and he uh, handed them. And, you know, that's cool, so, man. That's cool. Um, but so when you start, you know, one of the things I know I always struggle with, we've gotten to the point, uh, how do I say this? Um, I feel like most people who start businesses, they get to this point that's kind of this odd space where you've grown enough that nobody else will pay you what you're making, but you can't, but you're not yet where you want to be. And it's sort of this odd center area where you're like, 
you know, there's there's that growth po- point where you get to the point where you're like, I could probably jump out of this and do something else if I had to because I'm not making tons of money at it. Then you get into this gray area. And I think a lot of businesses get to this point where they're they're in that gray area. And and you guys, how many people do you have now? Uh, so we have 14 full-time employees. 14. And so to me, I mean, you've started, my from my view, you've definitely grown out and are kind of heading out of that phase to where you're thinking your, your, your business is really becoming a business. And I mean, you mentioned it earlier about how your role, you know, your, your role is changing to being more of a president and CEO and having to do a lot of those kind of things. And so I look at like, if you can think back, where was that point? I know you said you went full-time in 2017, then you made that first hire. Did you ever feel that where you were like, man, we're in that gray area and I want to build this great company but we're not there yet. And I don't even, heck, maybe even I don't even see how to get there just yet. <laughs> yeah, I would say that that's most of the time, you know, <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, it's there have been many times where, you know, especially over the last couple of years, like where it's just like, hey, are, are we going to, you know, because you got to obviously hire more people and you got to think outside of the the growth. Uh, but at the same time, especially being a bootstrap company, it's like there are times where I can't sleep at night because I'm like, am I going to meet payroll? Right. There have been times like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a lot of the time um, where you're like, you know, where where are we going? Uh, when to hire? What's the next hire? Right? <laughs> like, that's always what do I what do I have them do? Like, I mean, you know, yeah. it's, that's the stuff that I sit around and I'm like, you know, because you get to that point and obviously there's a whole develop space of consultants. And I think you and I have even talked about entrepreneurial operating system and, um, you know, these different systems that you can try to implement to manage your business. But it's like, those are still systems, right? And so garbage in, garbage out. So it really comes down to like, you know, you have to really, and so where I struggle a lot of times is like, okay, I know I need help, but what do I have them do? And then how do I train them? And then how do I document processes and stuff? Yeah. You know, and it seems like every time you document a process a week later, it's out. It's it's not even validated. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you experienced that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, excuse me, especially for us, like it's, you know, grow growing pretty at a pretty rapid pace. And then, I, uh, you know, I think to some extent, like you see that at at least the year one, year two, it's like the the amount of growth is just bizarre. Um, and I feel like we're to some extent, like still growing tremendously, but this year specifically, and, you know, I'm sure the pandemic's played in that too, but it's felt like it's started to level off just a little bit. Um, and like you said, I think we've kind of started to grow from, uh, a, a more of a startup to a little bit more of a, like, a um, more mature company to some extent, right. With, uh, just a little more stability and kind of, we have, you know, a couple of years where we can look back on the trends and different things and we can kind of, you know, a little more realistically forecast out things. Um, but yeah, I think, I think one, one big thing for me that I've always kind of strived to think through and it's hard because, um, you know, you talk about like, what do you have them do? Well, for me, it, it comes down to like, what do I a number one, what do I not enjoy doing in the business? And then number two, what am I not good at? And then hiring the people that are better than me in those specific things, right? So if, if I don't enjoy necessarily like sitting down and mixing and editing a podcast, uh, and you know, I'm 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 good at it, but I, that's not like what I'm the most passionate right, like about. You can do it. <laughs> yeah. You, you can definitely do it. And it's like right. the, the parable I'd given my business, and I say this to Brett a lot. I love 
I have always loved meeting with customers because, and you know, I think I said, I mean, part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is that I say it's kind of my endless quest to build a great company, you know, I'd, yeah. and um, you know, I don't even know why, but I've always wanted to build a $10 million business. It doesn't, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just the number that's always been in my head. And, and so yeah. for me is like, I love meeting with business people. And that's one of the things I like about my company is that I get to meet with people like you, just all different types of companies. And I love that meeting with them, asking them questions like we're doing today, yeah. learning about their company. What I don't necessarily love is when I walk out of the room and now I got to go research the products and quote <laughs> them, you know, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's where Brett has been a great Brett Kavanaugh, not the Supreme Court Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> um, that's another story. But, you know, he has been a great help to me because he actually really likes doing that. You know, he, yeah. he loves yeah. where I can come. And so we've tried to start figuring out, you know, what's the dance where I can do what I'm best at in terms of meeting yeah. with the customers, exploring, learning about them and making sure that we're. Yeah doing the things they need us to do and then have him do those kinds of things. Absolutely. And now we're, but now it's like, it's such an interesting thing because the more success that you have, you think you, you sit there and you go, okay, I've had this thing happen and now I got it whipped. But then when you're more successful, it's like, okay, here's another thing. And that's sort of like, I remember a guy telling me one time, he said, if you think success in business is ever going to feel like you get to the top of the mountain and you look around at this beautiful view, he's yeah. like, that's not what it feels like. He's like, what you feel right now, that's what it will always feel like. And he said, if it stops feeling that way, then you've leveled off or get out. Yeah. Of it. yeah. And it's, it's, That's it's just good. this constant, you know, you're hitting this next thing where it's like, okay, now, you know, for me right now, it's like marketing. We, yeah. We've got to figure out how to handle marketing better as a company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, hundred percent right. I think. And, and especially in the business, it's always like, for me, a question I'm always asking is like, what are the areas that need the most, um, the the most attention from me on what's the like you said you know what's what what are the things and obviously the goal is you get to a point where they're all at a really good spot and then it's like you're you're just taking them from good to great um but yeah i mean there's always something that that can be improved and you know i think that but i i do think that is key why delegation and finding people that are better than you is is key you know it's like our software for example like you know, Troy is phenomenal and I can trust him and know that, you know, he's moving things forward and like, he doesn't need me uh, to sit there and micromanage him or, 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 you know, be involved in the hands-on and day-to-day of it. It's like, I just know that, that Troy's going to do it. Same thing with our ops manager, John Street. He's phenomenal. And, uh, you know, an area that I'm, I'm not strong in is like administration and like organizational and like the structures and building that. And so John, uh, he's better than me in that area. And, and so, you know, that's one thing that I can fully trust him to. And I remember early on, you know, it, it's weird. It's scary to like delegate and pass things off because no matter, no matter who you hand it off to, no matter how good they are, like in your mind, they're, they're never going to do it as good as you did it. But, um, one favorite quote that I, I try to live by is like 80% out the door is better than 100% in the drawer. And I think that's really key. That's like, hey, even if they do it 80% as good as you do, like to free you up to do something else or whatever you are more passionate about or enjoy or are the best at, like what are the things that only Landon can do, right? Uh, right. What are the things that only Jacob can do? And that, that's what I need to be doing. And I've done some business coaching in the past and, and that's, uh, you know, that that's a big thing that we kind of work through. Um, and that was really, really helpful for me is like getting in to do the things that like I actually need to be doing rather than, Hey, I don't need to be overseeing the day-to-day production. Right. <laughs> Honestly, me getting involved in that just makes it more muddy and, and disorganized and creates more chaos. And so I need to, to pass that off to someone else. Well, that's, it's funny too. I would say like, 
I agree with everything you're saying. And the other point that I might make is there's a young guy named Ross that's working for us now that he's a, a currently a master's student at UofL. And, and we just talked about this in a meeting we just had that I said, you know, Ross, I call you like a one mistake guy. And what I mean by that is like, he's, he's going to make mistakes. He won't make a lot of them, but he'll make them, but he'll only make it once. Yeah. And that's like really great. That's great people. I mean, when you can find, I mean, it's really not if people make mistakes, it's, it's sort of repetitive, not learning. Cause I mean, you and I, I mean, we, heck, you know, we, we started the businesses or whatever. We make a lot of, we still make mistakes, but the Absolutely. key is, do you make it once and learn? And for the most part, not make it again. That's that continual improvement. Absolutely. That, yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Um, so tell me a little bit about like, uh, like I know that you mentioned to me today that you guys are working on the ability to sort of inline send episodes through, you know, so that you sort of have an all inclusive platform. Tell me a little bit about just maybe just looking into the future about what, what it looks like for resonate. What are your plans in the next say couple of years? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, without, I guess without getting into like the, the specific details of everything, you know, I mean, um, at the end of the day, we want to be able to be the one-stop shop for you. Um, so that, that would include, you know, from, from end to end, essentially recording, uh, distribution. Obviously we have that through our hosting, um, even monetization, looking into that and saying, you know, how can we help, help our clients monetize their podcast, uh, make money if they want to have ads, if they want to do ad swaps. Right. Um, so yeah, we're really looking to, um, you know, have that end-to-end software platform where people can essentially do everything um, around podcasting and in and, and that and not not feel like they have to piecemeal it together. I remember most recently, I, I don't take a, a ton of sales calls because we have a phenomenal sales team, um, but occasionally I'll, I'll I'll pick up, pick one up or, uh, or get past the one. And, uh, or the most recent one I did, I remember uh, speaking with some, the person and, and they just happened to say that I don't think they knew I was the owner or anything, but, uh, they said, man, one of the reasons why I really like, like you all and why I'm going to go with you is because it's, you do everything, you know, y'all do, um, you can help me launch, you do the hosting, you do the editing, you can help me produce it. If you need a producer, you can help me, uh, write my story. You can help me get everything together. And they were like, why is, why is it that like everybody else there, it's like, it's like piecemealed, you know, everything is piecemealed together. You have to go here for hosting. You have to go here for recording. You have to go here. If you want to edit it, you have to go here for show notes. You have to go here for, uh, you know, marketing tools or whatever else it is. Um, and so that, that was one thing, you know, that, that just has always kind of stuck with, with me and, and with us and, um, John, who's our ops manager again, he, he always says, you know, if, if, if they don't, if we don't have it, like, right, they may go somewhere else. Um, and so, yeah, for us, like it started with the audio production, but, um, we really are, you know, and want to be the podcast experts and really the one-stop shop, um, where we can, we can help and serve them, um, all the way from the large corporations, all the way down to the hobbyists, all the way to, uh, someone like yourself kind of in the middle who's has a business and you're wanting to do a branded podcast. Uh, and, and yeah, that that's, that's kind of our mission. Yeah, no, I, and, and I mean, I have to say when I did the the sales call, I was, I was just surprised at all. And, and obviously you got to have a lot of talent to be able to deliver on a lot of the things that you guys provide. And so we're running up against it on time. And I, uh, one thing I did want to talk, you guys just rebranded. I'm actually wearing, no, we're not doing video, just audio on this, but I'm wearing your shirt. 
Yeah. And, uh, really cool logo. And actually, I, you know, the, the first thing we did together were some T-shirts that went really well. Then we tried to do some hoodies. And that was a little bit of a challenge because we were trying to match an ink to um, a string color. But uh, we ended up getting that done. And you were incredibly patient. Uh, the patience <laughs> of Joe, for sure. And, uh, and then recently, you did the rebrand. We've done some T-shirts. We've done some patches. And we're working on some really cool things, which is really fun for me. Tell me just maybe a little bit about why you like working with us and what we've done well, maybe what we haven't done well, and then maybe touch on a little bit why, you know, what's important for, from your perspective for swag, whether it's internal or outside the company. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, for, first of all, yeah, I know on the hoodies, like I'll, I'll hit on that because I know you, you feel like that's like, that was a bad experience or a poor experience. Um, but, you know, I think for me, one of the things is like, I had a very specific vision for that and I wanted, I wanted the ink to match the, the strings and I, you, you could probably go into all the technical details of why that's so hard, but I found out it is very hard and I understand that now. <laughs> and so I think one of the things I appreciated so much about you um, through that is that you were, you stuck with it. You know, you were committed to, to being able to, to get that and to match it. And, uh, you know, you didn't blame it on the printer or, or the color or anything else. Like you, you continued to, to stick with it until we got it right. And I think that's one of the, one of the things for me that I really value, uh, in being able to work with you is number one, like you're, you're going to get, you're going to stick with it until you get it right. You could have just said, well, this is close enough. So here you go. Here's your hoodies, you know, but you didn't do that. And I think that's, that's a big risk. You know, if you go to, uh, customink.com right and order a shirt right you you're going to get it and if it's not right like more than likely tough titty like there you go that's your shirts you're stuck with them um but I, i think that's one of the things that i so appreciated about working getting to work with you um, in that and you dropped off samples or sh- sent me a s- samples over uh, to be able to see those and physically hold them and stuff like that so i think that that to me personally and then number two you know your pricing is very reasonable like i've i've worked with custom ink and i'm historically someone who is always going to find the best price you know and shop things around i we're looking into building a deck right now, a new deck on our house. And, you know, I'm getting multiple quotes because I want to see who's going to give me the most competitive. Um, and so your pricing has been very, very competitive. Um, and then, you know, I just really, really appreciate that uh, the diversity of the different products. It's like, you know, I had this specific hat that I had and it's like, hey, I want this hat, this specific model. And you were like, oh, yeah, I can get that one. Uh and I know, you know, stock is somewhat limited right now because of the pandemic and and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, just to really appreciate how you're you're flexible, willing to work with us. Um, and for us, you know, on on the rebrand, like I think how I think through swag is like, you know, it's it is a brand, like your brand recognition. So it really is important, um, not just for like hopefully in a, in a company. The way I think about brand brand and um, and swag and how to use swag and and uh, apparel, whatever you want to call it. Um, is like hopefully your employees are excited about about your company right and so i know our team they get really excited whenever they get a new t-shirt or a new hoodie or a coffee mug or a hat um but then also we've used swag as a way to like send to our clients right your clients are your biggest promoters they're your biggest fans hopefully if you have a good product or good service um they're they're going to want to tell their friends they're going to want to tell their family they're going to want to tell other people that they know about your service and so uh, we use, we give out t-shirts at, at conferences as a way to like 
promote engagement and that's worked really well for us. But then also we've done um, like end of year things where, hey, if you purchase this this amount of things, you're going to get a free t-shirt, you're going to get a free hoodie, you're going to get a free coffee mug, you're going to get an Amazon gift card, right? And that's worked really well for us. Um, and so, you know, it's like twofold. It's like you're giving them a gift, but they're giving you a gift by wearing your shirt, hopefully, and promoting it. And people see that and say, oh, what's Resonate? Oh, they're a podcast. Oh, I've been thinking about starting a podcast. Tell me more about them. Oh, I'm going to go check them out, right? And so, um, you know, I think I think swag is a very, very effective, even in our um, current quarantined like state, <laughs> you know, where it's still an effective tool because uh, people still go to the grocery stores or, you know, I know you even asked me like, Hey, what about mask? You want to do a mask, <laughs> some yep. random mask? And I'm sure I was thinking about that the other day. I was at church and I was like, Oh man, those, uh, that would be an effective marketing tool. Like you're looking at someone's face and what do you see? Resonate, right? <laughs> so most expensive real estate on the planet. Yeah. 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 So. I'll tell you what's amazing. I still am amazed at what people do for a t-shirt. It's just amazing and how excited they get about yeah. it. And, uh, you know, we, we say, and Brett says this all the time, you know, when we keep having conversations about, you know, what are we passionate about? Why do we exist as a company? And we always, what we come down to is just really just this. And we say, we love brands we love building our brand and we love finding companies that will help us, let us help them build their brand. And that's the, that's to me, the ideal kind of client. And that's what I love about you and your team. I think the way you guys do business, the product you turn, I think there's a lot of synergy in just how we run our, our businesses. And I think it's a great partnership and I'm excited um, to continue to be a part of helping you build, uh, you know, yeah, it's a new logo, but it's the same company and, you know, continuing to invest in and build the brand as you guys continue to grow, which I'm sure, um, sky's the limit, really, I think, for you guys. Yeah, no, absolutely. appreciate that. Well, thank you for being on, man. I really do appreciate the time. Um, I do want to, you know, for people who listen to this, if you are thinking about a podcast, if you are doing a podcast, you know someone that's doing a podcast, like Jacob said, it's resonate. Uh, it's resonaterecordings.com, right? Correct. Resonaterecordings.com. And uh, if you're, and it's it's a great website and they'll get you in touch with somebody to help uh, and, and like, like he said earlier, it, it really does run the gamut from what I'm doing, which is very, very simple, uh, all the way up to heck. I think you guys would help if I want, if I had a true crime podcast, I wanted to start you and, and I had the money, you guys would help me do it. Absolutely. Enough, but. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. All right, man. Well, Hey, thanks so much for being on and, uh, yeah, continued thank success. Thank and, you, uh, Landon. Yeah. It's been an honor to be on. And obviously I just echo everything you said about, yeah, the synergy between our companies and uh, look forward to continuing to do great things together. 